0: Welcome to episode 176 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast we discuss the return of Anthony Griffin, the departure of Benji, Adelaide to host the first Origin game in 2020 and much much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 176 of the Rugby League Republic Podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the People. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you going this week?
1: Dr. T, I'm doing well. Um, Good to be back. Uh, Good to be... uh... Talking about the NRL again, but you know what? Uh, it's uh, only two rounds to go. An announcement, state of origin is happening. Um, you know, it's like just uh, just when you thought that rugby league, it's about to wind up for the season. Um, you know, it sort of picks up again, and uh, you know, a lot to talk about in the world of rugby league. So I'm excited. How about yourself, there, Doctor T?
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, we we had a uh, we had a couple of weeks off, but we're back now. And uh, look. It's not before time because I think uh, now that the the is starting to hot up again. Uh, having said that, Tish, I think I just get the feeling that it's not really, I don't know. I just feel like there's uh, nothing much has changed in the last few weeks. It's not, It's not. we're not seeing any new contenders. We're seeing kind oh, of the same old, same old. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see, uh, you know, one of the contenders step up a little bit. And yeah, well, uh, yeah, so a bit I, I disappointed. Kinda, I kind of know what you mean. Like, uh, at the moment, uh, the,
1: you know, rugby league is kind of like Plate of the Origin, where, um, <laughs> you know, we've seen Briani versus Suvlaki before, right? You know, <laughs> you know whereas mastership brings in the snow egg or, oh, what was it, the, uh, the, the fit, that was it, the, the Harry Potter uh, thing, you know, like, you know, something, the Fitch, something is <laughs> the, the, the golden or, snitch. The yeah. snitch, yeah, that's it, that's it, right, you know. So, uh, not we, former rugby league star, um, you know the Finch, uh, but um, <laughs> no, the yeah, but but it's kind of like by the numbers, you know, the, the the top team is still the top team, the bottom team is still the bottom team, and uh, yeah, and everything else just seems to be the same. And um,
0: well, but, uh, yeah, and we will get into that actually in one of our tackles today about uh, how predictable some of it is. But look, I guess my main point, Tish, was. You know, you just said there before, it's two rounds to go. I know it's an unusual year. We all know that. But mm-hmm. at two rounds to go before finals, does it feel like a two rounds to go before finals week? <laughs> Not really. It feels mm. like nothing. There's no no team has momentum at the moment. I mean, we're talking, obviously, Panthers have won, you know, a gazillion on the trot. But, but look, it still doesn't feel like they're ramping up towards finals. Uh, yep. I, unless I'm missing something, I may, maybe I'm just a bit kind of, uh, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe this COVID thing is getting to everyone. It's people, people are getting a bit isolated and kind of, uh, you know, it, it just feels a bit weird. It feels like something I'm, I'm waiting for that magic to happen. I'm waiting for mm. that final spark of, uh, that, you know, that, that team, uh, heading towards the finals, uh, you know, with a few wins on the trot. Bit of momentum, building up some steam. We're not really getting that at the moment. So, um, yeah, there's there's been a bit, in, you know, bit of inconsistent results as well. So, look, uh, what are your final thoughts before we head into the six tackles?
1: Yeah, well, like I think, let's just, why don't we just uh, get you know dive straight in and uh, and see where it leads us.
0: <laughs> let's go. All right. Well, here we go. Here are our six tackles. So, uh, tackle number one, the round. 18, wrap. Here we go. All right, so uh, in round 18, the most recent round, we saw the Rabbitohs defeat the Tigers 26-24. The Sea Eagles uh, over the Canterbury Banks and Bulldogs 32-20. The Panthers did it easy against the Eels 20 points to 2. The Raiders uh, 37, flogging the Dragons 8 the Titans, uh, eighteen points to six over the Broncos, and claiming the uh, the title of uh, best Queensland team, best performed Queensland team this year, which is not saying much because they're in the bottom four. Um, the Roosters, forty two, flogging the Knights, twelve. The Storm, thirty six, too easy against the Cowboys, twenty. And the Sharks, 22 uh, in a great final comeback, uh, final few minutes comeback against the Warriors, 22 to 14. Uh, that's the round 18 scores. Tish, what were the highlights for you? What, what are the, the main points you want to highlight uh, uh, in round 18?
1: Okay, well, look, I've got to say, look, Edo, if we have a look at these results, the first thing you notice is that... Uh, Every team from the bottom eight uh, lost when they played a team from the top eight, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, so that that's that predictability that you talk about a little bit. Uh, but there was some pretty there were some pretty outstanding uh, games. Well, I think the Thursday night game was probably one of the, the games of the season. Really, twenty six twenty four, the Rabbitohs holding on. Um, you know they, they led from start to finish, um, but I believe that they were actually winning twenty nil at one stage until the Tigers came back and, uh, you know, we're going to talk about Benji Marshall a bit later, but he kind of orchestrated a real comeback and there was edge of the seat stuff. There was some, uh, there's a really great moment where he, um, you know, he tried the cutout pass like, you know, twice and it failed. But then on the third time he got it and they scored a try, which I thought was like a, just a brilliant way to sort of do that. There was a, you know, there was there was a, there was a brawl that happened. Uh, Luke Brooks uh, suspended for a week after punching Another player, which is kind of incredible like that you can see in that in 2020. So I thought that was kind of a, a very highlight game. But then, you know, the result is the, the Tigers, they've, they've cemented their spot in not getting into the top eight. And obviously the Sharks have, uh, you know, guaranteed their spot by knocking out the Warriors. So the fairy tales uh, for some of these teams sort of went away. And I've got to say, the other great game that um, was the Friday night game between the Penrith Panthers and the Eels, you know, a lot of people after us sort of be praising how good uh, Penrith were playing and um, not giving too much wraps on Parramatta, saying that they're out of form and everything like this. I kind of see it the other way um, because of the time in possession. I mean, the Pen- Penrith Panthers had 64% of the ball, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, double the amount of time that the um uh, that the Penrith, uh the, than the Parramatta team has, and they only had uh what two three tries to show for it, um. So I I thought that really it was a game that actually showed how great the Eels' defense was, um. And maybe you know I think both teams have a a, a bit to be desired for when it comes to attack, and interestingly enough, um, you know the other two contenders I feel the Storm and the Roosters. They're showing all-out attack at the moment, even though they're kind of known as being, you know, the uh, the uh, you know choker team to death team sort of thing. But interesting how, uh, yeah, the two flamboyant teams at the start of season, Parramatta and Panthers, seem to be struggling with their attack, while the uh, Roosters and the uh, and the Storm seem to be, uh, you know, they they seem to become the Harlem Globetrotters of the of rugby league. So. Um, that's kind of my little takeaway from round 18. What about yourself, the Dr. T? Uh,
0: yeah, well, obviously my takeaway was, uh, a very unsatisfying takeaway, a bit like, uh, getting a day old KFC, uh, (laughs) takeaway. Yeah. KFC Um, regret. Yeah. KFC regret. It, It no, no, uh, no disrespect to the, uh, the, the wonderful sponsors of our NRL bunker in, uh, and video referees, of course. Um, yep. Look, I the Eels, obviously, disappointing. I think, uh, you know, what you're saying about the Panthers, perhaps not sort of living up to their full potential at the moment. They're still winning. They're still doing what they need to do. Uh, I think, you know, the Eels just are showing that they're out of ideas at the moment. And I think that's the disappointing thing is that, you know, we seem to be having this conversation quite a lot towards this end of the season where... Uh, Brad Arthur just seems like he's uh running out of ideas. And look, one of the disappointing things was after the match, where I saw you know, in, in some of the um, I think it was in the press, press, uh, press room afterwards, he sort of made mention of the fantastic effort of the uh, of the Eels squad, uh, you know, and wasn't to be that kind of thing. And I thought that was um. Look, no one, no one questions effort. You know, the kids, the, the boys uh, always uh, go out there and give their give their all. Um, but for a coach of a first grade in a real team to basically not have any answers uh, and to just say, you know, praising their effort rather than sort of saying, you know, it wasn't good enough, they've completely lost the plot, the eels. And uh, you know, having said that, I won't make this a rant about the eels, but it it sort of does show that. You know, I think there's some teams getting back into their old habits. Uh, and and so, yeah, maybe that's why we're seeing the the Storm and the Roosters hitting their groove because they're just so experienced at doing this at this time of year. You know, even though it's been a weird season, they kind of know finals are coming up. Let's uh, start the momentum now. And that's why they're kind of uh, unleashing a little bit at the moment, which is great to see. The other highlight for me would have to be uh, the Titans. Yeah. Um, mm. The Titans are sort of, you know, putting themselves out there as, uh, you know, obviously I, th- I think if uh, if I'm reading the numbers correctly, uh, there's no way that they can be uh, beaten as the top uh, Queensland team in terms of ladder performance. Uh, in fact, if they're lucky and if they still do a few things, they can they could end up being. Ninth, Nine, which, uh, yeah. you know, which is not, not completely out of the realms of possibility. And that would be a good way to cap off the season to be the best of the rest. Um, you know, yeah. and, and not just, uh, you know, for the time there they were like with well entrenched in the bottom four and they're no longer like that. So let's see how they go and good luck to them. But yeah, they definitely, the battle of Queensland, the battle of the Southeast Queensland teams, uh, went their way. Um, Again, the Broncos. Yes, we know they've lost the plot, but the Titans have done everything they can to kind of. Uh, I think I think it's fair to say they've punched above their weight a little bit, <laughs> so they've done very well. So they, you know that's pretty uh. good. Obviously, the Roosers vlogging the Knights is a is a key highlight as well that you'll see. Um, but I, I, it's, for my mind, I think. Uh, there's still so much of the ho-hum uh, there. There's not not much that was surprising in the results and hasn't been for a few weeks now. So, look, without any further ado, shall we launch into our second tackle where we delve into this a bit further? Let's do it. All right, so here's tackle number two. All right, so the top eight has, uh, unfortunately, the predictability thing has uh, not been a good... <laughs> usually, we, we're sort of used to the NRL being really unpredictable, even at this time of year. Mm. Unfortunately, it's not to be. You know, with two games to go, there is absolutely no chance of uh, the top eight being shifted. So there's really nothing else to play for for the bottom bottom eight teams. Um, and basically, the top eight stands like this. We've got the Panthers, the Storm, the Roosters, and the Eels um, rounding at the top four. Then we've got Raiders, Rabbitohs, Knights, and Sharks. And then there's a six-point gap between the Sharks and the ninth-placed team which is currently the Tigers on four and against on 14 points but on equal 14th uh, sorry equal ninth I I guess you can say is the Tigers the Eagles manly uh, the Warriors and the Titans on 14 points Dragons not too far behind on 12 points so they could easily end up getting that ninth spot as well and then way way behind the bottom three are the Cowboys, the Broncos, and then the Bulldogs outright last. And uh, although when you look at the for and against, Broncos have an extremely terrible for and against compared to both the Cowboys and the Bulldogs, obviously they've been uh, flogged a few times and and uh, a really, really disappointing season for the Broncos. In fact, the only way that this could get worse for them, and it probably will end up this way, is if... The Bulldogs miraculously win. Uh, all they need to win is one more game, more than the Broncos in the next two games, and their and against will take care of it. <laughs> so the Broncos will end up with a wooden spoon, I believe, possibly for the first time ever, uh, if that were the case. So let's see what happens there. But, Tish, uh, the top eight, you know, it's locked in with two rounds to go. Um, you know, what do you have to say about this? Uh, does this uh, is this something? Is there something more than just a bit uh, unlucky uh, for those teams in the the best of the rest, or is there something else going on?
1: Well, it's re- obviously it's all speculation. Um, you know, in terms of why this has happened, you've got to remember: two rounds to go in a twenty round season means that's actually ten percent of the competition still left. So is it the fact that it's a shortened season? But I thought the shortened season would actually bring the sides in together. So it would have been interesting if it was the full 24 rounds, like another four rounds to go. Um, you know, would we still be in this situation? We, we you know, it's it's arguable to say we probably would. I think the rule changes have really highlighted a couple of sort of deficiencies a couple of teams had in the roster and, and probably the second referee too as well, because you know, as soon as the game has sped up, all of a sudden you could see some teams playing a lot differently than others. Um, I think the other big impact is the lack of a, a midseason break like State of Origin or buys and things like that, where I think a lot of these teams that may not have the rosters of some of the other teams can pull a few upsets here and there and, and sort of build momentum um, by, by getting a couple of big scalps, um, you know, when they're a bit weak. And that kind of you know adds to the unpredictability. Uh, we didn't have that this year because state of origin is going to be at the end of the season. So all of a sudden, I felt like the teams that are sort of you know um, at the bottom end of the ladder at the moment, they they probably didn't have that opportunity to try and you know get those you know a few upset wins here or there. Um, you know, it's really interesting the way that the ladder is working at the moment because pretty much all the teams that have a positive for and against. Are in the top eight. and All the teams that have a negative four hundred get are in the uh, are in the bottom eight. It's it kind of shows that there is a real difference between teams eight and uh, and the rest. Um, so it it definitely feels like a two tiered competition, unfortunately. And I think within the top eight, I think there's another little problem there as well. Is that you know you, you think the sharks and the knights. I don't really see them doing much damage to the rest of the teams. I think the Rabbitos, um, without Latron Mitchell, can't win it either. Um, and then from you know probably from one to five is probably the the title contenders. Um, but again, you know the Raiders, they've kind of lost a few key players throughout the year as well. Um, are they going to be able to beat some of you know the Panthers, the Storm, and the Roosters? It's a bit hard to say. So. Um, and even the you know the eels are kind of dropped off a little bit in form. Everybody's sort of saying that at the moment, um, but they have a couple of players that are injured as well. So um, it's going to be interesting, you know, when Dylan Brown and uh, Reed Mahoney uh, in particular come back, and how that uh, side will be different um, with at least those two players sort of coming back into the into the lineup. Whereas um, you know a team like the Panthers who are running high on. Um, you know, you know, uh, at the top of the ladder, uh, they've only got three players out, um, and one of them is Charlie Staines, who is a what eighteen year old kid who's played one game. So, um, you know, it's kind of uh, <laughs> that's the other. rule <laughs> You can see how injuries, uh, you know, play a huge part in team performance. You know, the Knights have got several players out. You know, Blake Green's out, and you know, Jaden Braley's out. Connor Watson is out. It's kind kind of a lot of players in that lineup and they're not doing that well. Obviously, you know, James Roberts and Latrell Mitchell and, you know, um, they're all sort of out for for the rabbit as it kind of affects their form and stuff like this. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just the way it sort of seems to be. It, it, it's like injuries and time in possession is so critical now. And um, I think this is kind of like the uh, unexpected consequences of the six again rule. Um, because it just meant that possession has become the name of the game. If you hold the ball, you win the game and it's kind of coming back into that whole um, St George era of the unlimited tackles you, where you basically try to keep the ball for as long as you can. and even if you're not scoring, you' you know you're tiring the other team out. And I think I think I think there's got to be a bit of a, a reversal back into a bit more unpredictability into the game and I think that that's probably something that the league needs to look at towards the end of the season.
0: All right. Um, yeah. Look, I think that, that I think you're. We're starting to see this as well. Potentially, I, I'm going to suggest that maybe one of the issues that we uh, we need to think about is whether the rule changes this year has led to a bit of a, uh, you know, cream the cream rising to the top a lot quicker <laughs> than would normally yeah. be the case. As some teams are definitely adapting to the new sort of methods a bit a bit better. Uh, and the new yeah. rules, um, rule changes, etc. So, again, a lot of it has to do with potentially the, you know, with the, the whole idea of speeding up the game, uh, you know, the set restarts and all those kinds of rules that have been brought in. The whole point of that is it makes everything a bit faster, ma- makes it more entertaining, but also means that those teams that are already fitter and more, you know, um, uh, I guess, match fit than, than others uh, it's probably going to amplify differences between the teams and and so some of those uh yeah some of those other teams are going to be found out so i'm not necessarily suggesting those that are in the bottom eight aren't as fit you know necessarily than the others but i think i think what you'll see is that the 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 teams that have had success over the last few years are still up there in the top eight you know no no real surprises there there's been no no um equalizer in terms of you know uh injuries or things like that and that's another interesting thing that injuries haven't really played a part despite mm. all the issues that have happened uh, in the world at large um you know generally speaking it's it's kind of a miracle that that the the, the whole competition uh basically was brought back um after a, a bit of an extended period off but uh you know there's been some good quality football and i think uh yeah, the issue you raise about there being a kind of a second tier, you know, there's a uh, p- plenty of things that we can do in future to avoid that. You know, we we've talked about salary caps and things like that. You know, maybe it's, it is okay to have a period where some teams are dominant, uh, as long as you then allow others to catch up at some point, <laughs> and and don't mm. and don't um, constantly, uh, you know, kind of put barriers up for those. Uh, those yeah. other teams to catch up. So, for instance, you know, I'm not necessarily suggesting we do this, but if if it, if it is the case that we need to, you know, relax a bit of the salary cap laws to allow other lower-level teams to buy their way out of the doldrums, well, why can't we do that? I mean, it seems to happen for the other major footballing leagues across the world. Um, this is something to think about, maybe. Maybe this is a quick way to... You know, an easy way to for the Broncos of the world to avoid wooden spoon and go up is to use their buying power. You know, use the the fact that they've got advantages in the business world and in the front office, and buy yeah. their way out of um, out of the wooden spoon area. So you know, that's another thing to think about. So yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, some predictability with uh, with that top eight being locked in, but. Definitely a lot to think about, about what this means in the long run. Uh, A bit disappointing because we kind of would have thought, yeah, we we like those uh, NRL kind of uh, seasons to go down to the wire. And look, maybe, Tish, we've been sport for choice in the past. Maybe this year we just have to let go of these expectations that the NRL will be, uh, you know, predictably unpredictable. What do you think?
1: Yeah, (laughs) maybe. Maybe maybe we've been... um you know, like, accustomed to, like, uh, you know, really close competition all the way uh, to the end. I mean, if you recall last year, there was that game at Leichhardt Oval between the Sharks and Tigers, which, you know, sort of cemented, you know, who would finish in the top eight. But then, you know, Brisbane were had a chance of missing out as well, uh, depending on, um, you know, how their result went as well. So it was kind of, you know, very interesting right until to the why. And we don't sort of have that this year, so... Maybe we are sport for choice, but, they've been, But you know, if we go back on it, I'm pretty sure there were other seasons where, where you know, maybe with two rounds to go, it, it was also uh, decided as well. Um, you know, it's not the same top eight as last year as well. I think we should also mention that as well. So, you know, we've had the, uh, you know, the Sea Eagles, um, you know, sort of fall away this year, uh, you mm-hmm. know, sort of they can't make. And obviously the Broncos, they've, They've fallen really, really quite tremendously bad, um, you know, out of the top eight. And, you know, it's been a long time since we've had Newcastle in the top eight themselves. Um, So, the fact that they've, you know, guaranteed their spot, um, you know, that's kind of showing, you know, the new coach and the new direction. And, you know, they had a bit of a, they had a bit of a, uh, a bit of a, you know, they had a a bit of progression over the last few years, but also... uh, Had a pretty crazy season last year as well. I remember there was a, you know, the sack of Nathan Brown and everything like this. Mm. And uh, let's not forget Penrith. Um, You know, Penrith—they're leading the competition. um, They didn't even make the finals last year, so um, you know they finished tenth with only eleven wins. And they've, uh, you know, they've been able to to get sixteen wins this season. So, um, and pretty much their roster. I don't think. I mean, if anything, they lost James Maloney. Um, but they really didn't have like a a big signing or anything like that, you know, so um there is unpredictability in that way if you think about how good the panthers are, how badly the broncos have fallen, and uh you know the sort of the knights being able to finally make it to the to the finals after so many years while the um yeah while the sea eagles you know deal with injuries and uh can't make it so there is a bit of unpredictability in that aspect as well. And uh, yeah, it's. um And look, we, you know, everybody was talking at the start of the season for Roosters being, you know, uh, three-peat sort of champions, but there are contenders for that crown definitely this year. So um, let's just hope that the, uh, you know, maybe the hype towards the end of the season now starts to build and, um, you know, we have a great final series coming up.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's move on to tackle number three. Here we go. All right, so uh, Griffin, the new Magic Dragon. Tish, what is this about? I'm guessing it's about Anthony Griffin.
1: <laughs> that is that is right. So seemingly out of nowhere, um, you know, Anthony Griffin, the former coach of the Pen of Panthers and uh, as well as a, a former Brisbane coach as well, he is sensationally in – my, in my eyes, sensationally – come from nowhere to become uh, appointed as the St. George Illawarra coach replacing um, Mary McGregor for the 2021 season. Um, You know, there was, you know, the club had indicated earlier that interim coach Dean uh, Young would be the person taking over, um, you know, because he's done some good things as the interim coach. But, um, you know, uh, but they've said that he probably will keep his job. But uh, Anthony Griffin coming out of the work to, to, to win it out, um, a very interesting media battle has sort of occurred, where you've had the news limited sort of side of the media support the appointment of Griffin, um, sort of saying you know he's got a fifty-five percent record, you know he's only missed one final series, um, you know uh, since he's ever since he's taken over, you know he led the Brisbane Broncos, um, you know in a in a very rough period uh, because it was just when they lost. Um, you know when Darren Lockyer retired was his first season, so you know, so maybe you know the you know we kind of overlook you know what he had to do for the roster changes, and then he got the other side where you know uh, sort of the Sydney Morning Herald side of things where uh, they're talking about his, uh, his sort of um, not being able to get along with management at the Penrith Panthers at uh, that being Phil Gould. Uh, you know also sort of ruining people's careers you know like like ben hannett and things like that and not being a very nice guy to work with and having you know players sort of revolt and you know not being that kind of uh you know care bear i don't know if keber's right but but, you know not having that sort of rapport with the players so you had two sides of it and then in the end uh, the Dragons have gone with anthony griffin um for a two-year contract as well so not the five year contracts that Seabold had got. He's he they've been a bit more conservative about the uh the length. So Anthony Griffin, I've got to say, a very interesting appointment. Um I think, you know, for me I kind of rated him as a as a coach a little bit. Um I think he I found that with the teams he normally uh sort of coaches, they seem to debut a lot of young junior players. So I think that's a kind of a, a good sort of uh coaching philosophy to have. So I'm kind of excited to see what he'll do. But um but in, yeah, but you hear all these other stories, and then you think, or oh, maybe maybe he might not be that good of a long term solution. What about your thoughts, there, Doctor T? Do you think Anthony Griffin is he the man to turn the Dragons around?
0: Very, very good question. Uh, look, <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna refer back to what we just spoke about in terms of the top eight and the fact that uh, the Panthers have uh, you know have been building for quite some time. And are now you know sitting at number one, and you know really from nowhere have become contenders for the premiership. And I just sort of wonder that you know, we, to what extent does um does Griffin uh did Griffin coach there for a bit, right? <laughs> I'm just trying he, to think. He,
1: he did, and I'm I'm pretty sure what, that what there's years a- are they? They, they were, they were, he got sacked in 2018. They made the finals that year, by the way. Uh, even with four games left, he was sacked. Yeah, that's right. It kind of crazy as well. Oh, that's right, that's was, right.
0: There was a controversy about that, yeah. Yeah, and then I think it was the four
1: seasons before that, that he sort of coached them. And um, pretty much, I'm pretty, I, I think it's like something like 11 out of their, you know, 17, you know, regulars were debuted during that period
0: yeah and look, i'm just look i'm going to the source of all information wikipedia here just so, just so i can be certain that i'm not making any mistakes but look he he you're right he was coach actually for only 3 years 2016 17 18 and you're right he was sacked towards the end of 18 but he had a winning percentage at that point and and you know prior to that at the broncos for 3 years 4 years actually he had a winning percentage there as well uh, obviously a winning percentage is probably not enough. You need more than a, in the 50s um, percent. But, uh, but look, there's something to be said about the fact that really, you know, Ivan Cleary only really returned last year and and he's now reaping the benefits this year. And look, no doubt a lot of the success is to Ivan Cleary, not taking anything away from him. But I guess the question is, to what extent did Griffin set up that success uh, you know, with with his decisions, his recruitment, um, you know, and and also, to what extent potentially is the Panthers' success due to you, not so much? I mean, talking about Maloney leaving, but what about the um, uh, the, the 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 loss or the departure of uh, Gus Gould from that? kind of central role there. And so I wonder, and often, obviously Griffin and Gould had a bit of uh, a falling out, uh, which is what what led to Griffin leaving. So, look, I'm wondering whether this is an opportunity for Anthony Griffin to start afresh with fairly low expectations in the sense that, you know, the Dragons have not had, you know, they don't have a, a really strong personality as their director of football, you know, directing Micromanaging, some might say, the coach in terms of the direction that they want the the team to go. I think he'll have a bit more of a relaxed kind of more control actually over the team than before. Obviously, with you know, in saying that, obviously people are thinking, well, what are you talking about, Doctor T? That the the, uh, the Dragons is one of the most successful teams ever. The pressure will be on for immediate success. Well, maybe, but he'll at least that pressure will be only from external, only from the public as opposed to uh, it coming from within. And, and if you're a coach, you won't be able to kind of get your head in the game and do what you need to do. And so I just sort of wonder whether this is a great opportunity for Anthony Griffin to show us all uh, whether he can, whether he deserves to be in that top tier of NRL coaches um, rather than a, a kind of a, you know, a jack of all trades, where you know he hasn't really shown that level of success, but he's shown potential more than anything. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it will be really good. I think he does have it in him. He's very talented. For I don't know what it is he does, but you know, he seems to um, he seems to kind of uh, get things working and and build things. So, um, having said that, I did see something a while ago few days ago in fact in in the news that there is there are some issues with some indigenous players that used to play for the dragons mentioning uh, some issues that they have with anthony griffin um and uh, you know maybe him uh, expressing his views about the politicization of the indigenous round and other kind of racial issues so yeah. you know <laughs> anthony griffin's got to be careful that he doesn't uh, put his foot in it that he actually kind of focuses on the game rather than the politics surrounding it because it's just going to get former players like Nathan Blacklock etc offside which it seems to have done already so let's see what uh, Anthony Griffin does I'm looking forward to it. Um, Tish final words
1: yeah well uh, that, that's an interesting thing you've uh, you've just sort of mentioned there. Kind of interesting that also that in the same sort of headlines that is around Anthony Griffin at the moment, um, that's a, that's from the Sydney Morning Herald, by the way. But on Channel Nine is um, you know Anthony Griffin, uh, eyes out Josh Maguire, who is I believe Aboriginal, um, uh, or has got some sort of or is yeah. represented the Aboriginal uh, as before. So yeah, he's a very he's a very polarizing figure there a little bit. <laughs> so um, yeah, but as you said, it's kind of like a fresh start. You know, you kind of kind of saw this a lot in the eighties um, when it came to you know. Um, you know, sort of action movies, you know, it normally start off with the family getting a fresh start somewhere new sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I could just picture Anthony Griffin, you know, in his sort of uh, station wagon, you know, packing up everything, uh, you know, uh, leaving Penrith and heading into, you know, St. George and sort of thing, you know, with all of his stuff and moving into a new house and, you know, all that kind of thing. So I think it's, uh, you know, maybe it's a bit of a sea change sort of experience for him. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, and it's it's one of the most greatest uh, sort of famous clubs out there. Um, his winning record is already, I think, better than what Mary's was. So the fact that, um, you know, there's sort of getting away on the right foot. And, um, you know, I've got to say, like, um, you know, since he's been making the finals pretty consistently, uh, you know, obviously next year, that's probably what the Dragons are going to be aiming for, so he's going to be put under a lot of pressure pretty quickly, Um, and he's only got two years to perform, so it'd be really interesting to sort of see, and kind of interesting on the other side of things, where you know, Phil Gould also is going to be um, sort of responsible uh, a little bit for the Warriors next season, and uh, of course Nathan Brown is also going to be the coach at the Warriors too, so that's another sort of um, part of the NRL that wants a bit of a redemption so it's going to be interesting to see where the Warriors end up and where the Dragons end up next season. And um if either of these sides can make the top eight. So um yeah, so look, you know, we wish uh Anthony Griffin the best and um and hopefully yeah uh hopefully that indigenous stuff is uh hopefully it's more just um you know journalistic uh sensationalism than because that that could get pretty ugly pretty soon with the with the heritage that the Dragons have had. So um, and I think, yeah, and I think everything that the NRL has done towards Indigenous players has been quite a success. So um, hopefully those views are not – yeah, hopefully negative views in that area is not shared by Anthony Griffin um, or anybody involved in, in the NRL at the moment.
0: Yep, fair enough. All right, uh, let's move on to tackle number four. All right, Benji Marshall loses out in West Tigers money ball. Tish, take us through this news. Well, look,
1: uh, kind of another sad era uh, for West Tigers fans. Um, pretty outraged at the moment, I have got to say. But uh, once again, we've treated one of our uh, one of our absolute, you know, greatest players of all time. Probably, you know, could say argue with the greatest West Tiger of all time, Benji Marshall. But the club has said that they won't be renewing his contract for 2021. And um, you know this is this is really upset myself as a fan, but it's upset quite a lot of fans out there. So we've actually started an online online petition. Um, I went and signed up yesterday. There was uh, people giving twenty bucks left, right, and centre as well. Um, but we've we've started an online petition to try and get Benji Marshall to stay at the West Tigers for 2021. Um, you know this kind of happened with Alex Johnston as well, because uh, he was uh, rumored to go from 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 South, but uh, you know that's. Uh, but they but now he's sort of resigned. So already over fifteen hundred signatures have uh, have been signed for getting Benji to stay at the Tigers. Um, what's actually happened is that the Tigers they've you know they've had some roster issues. Um, you know they've got a couple of players that are on quite a lot of money which haven't really performed. Um, and then so you know rather than moving those players on, you know who have co- kind of got locked in ironclad contracts at the moment. You know maybe some of our Beloved players like Benji and a few others that have sort of, you know, grown up with the club might need to go. Um, but they're also in the market to try and sign some really big name players. So at the moment, um, you know, there's negotiations apparently with Josh Adokar to return to the club, this time as a fullback, and then also to make way for James Tamau uh, from the Penrith Panthers. He's in fact the Penrith Panthers camp- captain at the moment, um, having sort of lead our forward pack. And then that means uh, no room for Benji. And I think this is really disappointing because particularly if you watch the Rabideaux, uh tigers game, 26-24, what you realize is that uh, the best part of the West Tigers' attacks all centers around Benji. And as an attacking weapon, there is none like him. Um, and I think he's probably the best attacking player in the, in, in the NRL at the moment. I know a lot of people have got... Kiri and Moses, and you know quite a lot of really great players. But um, the way Benji's able to just uh, you know manufacture ideas and and um, you know he's you know he sort of thinks in in different (laughs) in a way completely different to everybody else. And you can kind of see that when he plays. It'd be really disappointing if if we don't get that attack um, out there. Now I know his problem is defence because obviously uh, he's probably uh, one of the biggest leaks in our defence as well. but look, I think the attack is enough to sort of keep him at the club, surely. And uh, the other thing that I've actually heard this was sort of reported by Danny Weiler, but he actually said that, um, you know, in the player polls that he's had with, uh, with NRL players, over, I think it was like over 65% of them have named Benji Marshall as their inspiration as a kid to play rugby league uh, to the point where um, he's he's actually out uh, sort of, um, you know, sort of ranks higher than Cameron Smith and, you know, Laurie Daly, Melvin Inger and, you know, uh, what's uh, Darren Walker and so forth. You know, kids, you know, a lot of the players that play in the NRL at the moment, their, their idol growing up was Benji. And you could kind of see the way that some players play, the way they sort of sidestep, the way they do the long passes left and right, the flick passes that we sort of see um. That all originated from Benji Marshall, so he's probably, you know, if you think about it like that, he's probably an immortal because he's changed the way the game has been played. So really tough to see him not being at the Tigers next year, and um, let's hope that uh, somehow we could turn it around. But uh, your thoughts there on Benji, do you think Parramatta can sign Benji Marshall if the Tigers don't get him? they Dr. T.
0: Well, does, does Benji want to play with Mitchell Moses? I mean... <laughs> Yeah, that could be something. That could be something. That could be explosive. Maybe that's what they (laughs) needed, the Eels, to kind of... Look, I guess the the thing is this. Aren't we sick and tired of hearing the same sort of stories where, you know, club legends are forced out, you know, for one season towards the end of their career because of financial issues again? This would never happen uh, if... Well, there's a couple of things. If we didn't have a salary cap, or we had uh, particular rules around people uh, who are of either a strategic importance to a club or who are, you know, who have been there forever, quite frankly, you know, or who have, you know, that kind of thing. So if we had rules and exemptions around those players, then we wouldn't have this situation where we have a really sad and pathetic, you know, Pre farewell, pre retirement farewell for Robbie Farrar, while he goes mm. to play for another club for one year, and then he has to have another full on retirement. You know, like it just doesn't make any sense. And so, really, if we want, and I think this, I'm going to call out to our our, our mate PVL, uh, who has mm. already he, he's taken a bit of a bit of an approach of you know let's just make some uh, unilateral decisions about things and because they're in the interest of the game, I would call to uh, call out to Peter Volandis that this is a, uh, this is one of those situations where we need to really rethink what we're doing to the game. You know, it's it's already a travesty that Benji's had to go to other clubs and in, he came back to the Tigers. He didn't need to, uh, Mm -hmm he came back with the express purpose of having his final swan song with his uh, first ever NRL club. And here we are back in that same situation where we're not even affording him the dignity of retiring uh, with, with the club he wants to play for. So I just wonder whether, you know, especially when he's, and it's not even a question of whether he can handle it. Like he is definitely a first grade quality. It's not, it's not that it's more just, you know, he wants to keep playing another season, you know, um, so I I think PVL I call out to you to to come up with something either allow find a way to allow for exemptions in the salary cap for mm. players that have been around forever or exemptions based on players that are of strategic importance so you know that they're not necessarily you're not punishing the club that that they've been with for their in almost their entire careers um You know, you know, punishing them financially or forcing them to make tough decisions. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's to me that is one of the the key things. uh, Is the salary cap has sort of forced this situation, uh, which is really really unfortunate. And again, if we're looking at the end result, the end result is, you know, kids out there like to follow their teams and uh, and their players, and they've got favourite players as well. And if you if you constantly see players changing clubs it's very hard for to get that kind of loyalty from the fans and I think PVL needs to look into it and see if he can come up with an idea similar to mine or better that yeah. <laughs> that keeps players like Benji there in the club that uh, you know he wants to play for ultimately yeah. Tish what are your final words on this
1: yeah well I mean I just sort of thought about this as you're talking about you know sort of the importance of a player like being you Marshall at a club You know, you realise is that he's he's part of the playing roster, but in a way, he's kind of all a part of the coaching uh, there as well. In that, you know, he's kind of an inspirational, you know, figure at the club to have people sort of around him. So, I'm just wondering for you know, for players that are sort of you know, um, being sort of uh, club veterans, played all their. He's kind of known, like he's known for a West Tiger. I know he's played for the Brisbane, Brisbane Broncos and St. George, but he's kind of known as as the West Tigers, and I think all the players you could tell look up to him. So, if you've got a player like that in the situation, surely you could say, you know what, um, we actually just don't see you as a player. We also see you as a part of the, um, you know, as a part of the the coaching, you know, sort of set up at the West Tigers. So, therefore, you know, we 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 sort of. You know, can give you a bit extra over the cap because that's what you're doing. And then, you know, you've got you've got players at other clubs that kind of fit that sort of mould as well. And it's best to try and keep them um, sort of there. Like, you know, I'll give another example. After so many years of, uh, of Newcastle's not making the top eight, uh, you know, at the end of the season, yeah, Aiden Guerra, he's, he's he's actually been announcing his retirement too. Now, Aiden Guerra is another player that he's probably a very inspirational figure around training you know, the Knights are going to lose something next year by not having him around, um, you know, and uh, not sort of training with the team and so forth. So in a way, you know, all that hard work kind of comes to get a little bit undone when you sort of lose these players to uh, to clubs. Um, you know, think about the impact of veteran players that the Brisbane Broncos have lost over the years and where are they sitting at the moment? You know, you could say the same thing about the Bulldogs mm-hmm. as well, really. So I think, I think the NRL does need to sort of, um, to try and keep the team strong. It does need to figure out a way to allow players to sort of be one club players. And I think that's kind of, um, you know, and, uh, without having, uh, with ha- without having it abused. So, um, and you know what, like, so, so yeah, so let's hope, let's hope this online petition works. Let's hope that, uh. Benji is a West Tiger for 2021. And if he's not, let's hope that he plays in the NRL. I know people are talking about Super League and things like that. But, uh, you know, uh, for me, I watch the NRL. I'd love to just have him um, in the NRL. And, um, you know, uh, whichever team uh, he is playing for, he's po- they're probably going to become my second-favorite team. Uh, probably not Manly or the Roosters, though.
0: All right. All right, let's go to tackle number five. All right, so Adelaide has been locked in for the Origin opener for the 2020 Men's Series. Uh, We have confirmed. So we've got Adelaide first, and then the Series will go to Sydney and Brisbane, with the Women's Origin match will be held on Queensland Sunshine Coast. So the Adelaide game will be on November the 4th. Uh, It's just 10 days after the NRL Grand Final, and with Sydney to host Game 2 one week later on November 11th and the final match at Suncorp on November 18th. Tish, uh, really good to have, uh, you know, we talked about this before about the way they're going to do Origin in future, what's the fairest way to do it, um, and on some occasions, I think what they're going to do is have you know, have the three, uh, the three different uh, cities and I like the idea of this. I mean, it's not something that we're used to. And when we, I think, the plans were to make it a regular thing where every alternate year, uh, or sorry, every third year, you would have uh, basically um, uh, a third city hosting hosting the game. So you'd have. You know, home ground advantage for two of the origins in New South Wales, home ground advantage for two of the origins in Queensland. And then for that third year, you rotate it so uh, you get, uh, you know, one each in New South Wales, Queensland, and one game somewhere else. So yeah, and it was announced that uh, this week actually that Adelaide is uh, locked in for that Origin opener, and with the new stadium that they have there and a bit of excitement, it should be good. So, what do you think about the choice of Adelaide there, Tish?
1: Well, look, it's the very first uh, State of Origin game that is going to be in the state of South Australia in Adelaide. So that is great to be you know to have a first uh, for the year, and I think um, in terms of Covid, I don't think the State of Adelaide has had too many dramas. So, from that point of view, I think it's a it's a, it's really great to see this sort of implemented. And I'm just glad that after sort of, I mean, we've kind of all they've they've mentioned that State of Origin will be at the end of the year. But we really haven't had too much details. So the fact that this announcement has been made, I think it just gives it a little bit of a refresh and to say, hey, you know what, you know the the season's about winding up, but we've also got a State of Origin series coming up, like you know. Sort of get gets us excited again, it's kind of made me excited again about State of Origin, because we kind of know it's on now, and um, you know, let's hope that uh, Adelaide you know, it's going to be interesting. They haven't announced what the crowd capacities are going to be, um, but let's hope that they can you know get some sort of crowd to to each one of the three games, and um, you know, it it, it is uh you know so that's probably one positive and. You know, I know originally when they thought about going to Adelaide, it was going to help the South Australian government in terms of, you know, bringing in tourist dollars and things like that. Um, you know, I don't know what the situation like that is going to be. But um, but hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully it's it's good for, you know, uh, South Australia and it's, and it's good for, um, you know, and it's good for state of origin. Yeah, so I th- I think having the neutral venue is going to be good. Um, and also, you know, obviously, then we've got the game at Suncorp, and we've also got the game in Sydney. I think the second game is actually in Sydney. And the good announcement also that the, um, you know, the NRLW State of Origin, the Women's State of Origin, is also going to be on this year. Um, last year it was at North Sydney Oval. This year it's going to be at the uh, at the famous Sunshine Coast Stadium out there. So um, that's actually pretty good as well. That sort of announcement. So at least we're, you know, both men and women's have been announced. So I think that's that's awesome. And um, look, my only gripe, I've got to say, Dr. T, is um, I'm having a look at the NRL uh, website with the announcement and um, I'm just wondering why both Brad Fittler and Kevin Walters, the two coaches, have the exact same jacket on and um, Kevin Walters does not have any photos of him in a Maroons jersey at all. So what's up with that? You know, you know Queensland. First, they taken our players. Now they taking our colours, Doctor T. I think it's absolutely ridiculous.
0: Is he wearing? Uh, he's, I don't know about him wearing the same jacket in what the picture that I'm seeing is. uh oh yeah, I see what you mean. They're wearing that kind of um, parachute Blue-ish. jacket. Yeah, because because uh, I don't know. Were they did they do a base jump off the top of Adelaide Oval or something? <laughs> I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but but there is a photo down a little bit further down on NRL.com where you see obviously the famous Maroon. No, he's still wearing blue. Um, he's wearing Cowboys blue, right? He's wearing a cow. I don't know what he's wearing, but you can't see a Queensland logo or anything. Uh, He really should have, uh, should have packed, uh, packed his bag a little bit, a bit better. But um, yeah, Yeah. look, uh, Kevy and Freddie, you know, at once rivals on the field, now rivals off the field as coaches. Uh, Looking forward to it. I mean, look, Uh, despite the fact that, yeah, they um, uh, look, there's been issues as well with Kevin Walters and and all that stuff happening around the Broncos. At the very least, we know that we can look forward to... uh, uh, Look, I'm excited. Look, I think it will be exciting. I'm hoping that by the end of grand final, you know, we've got 10 days of nothing and then a build-up you know, look, this is kind of cool in a way because this we've talked about this for a while about how mm. the you know you know what would happen if Origin was chosen, the teams were chosen at the end of the season, where you really get a sense of who were the best performing players in the pressure situation of finals football, um, you know, and that that Origin wasn't just there to to kind of uh, distract us in the middle of the season, middle of winter. Mm. Um, in the dip in the sea dip of enthusiasm in the season, in the middle of the season. But this is at the very end after, you know, potentially, you know, people have kind of got over the, the, the grand final and, you know, your team wasn't mm-hmm. there and, you know, two teams that you don't really like were there, but it was a good final and all that kind of thing. And then, then you got to emotionally get yourself back up for an origin series. Now we've seen in the past few years where, the renaissance of international rugby league, which has happened almost immediately after the grand finals, um, you know, in over here and in the UK as well, um, has actually done wonders for the game. I mean, I guess people like the fact that there's a dedicated period of Mm. a particular, you know, series. And I wonder, I don't know, Tish, but, I will be looking very carefully at the, um, the the TV ratings because if the TV ratings show that that this is actually uh, a, a viable possible alternative uh, to have Origin at the end of the season, so that people, you know, don't get. Um, you know, rugby league withdrawal symptoms at the end of the year and that we're just going to continue kind of building up the momentum at the end of the year, you know, origin, and then after that maybe international, Um, people will get used to the idea of, you know, the NRL is the season and whatever, and you know, but at the end of it, it's not over. There's still some more interesting games to be played and, in fact, it gets better and better. After the grand final, and I think I wonder whether that psychologically will um, sit well with people. Uh, what do you think mm. about that, Tish?
1: Yeah, it, it is interesting that they are talking about how you know this is a bit of an experiment, depending on how the ratings how it will be. And um, uh, I, I think that uh, I can I've heard Brad Filter talk about this, and uh, he's also a big uh, supporter of international football. And I kind of feel like. Um, having the series uh, at the end of the season kind of stops you from having that international season there a little bit. So um, I kind of want to keep it the way it is um, so we could still be building up international football. Um, So I think that's kind of where I'm at at the the moment. But let's see how great these games are going to be. Like if they're really close games, if they're really high quality, um, you know, it's kind of at the end of the season, you don't have to worry about club football. They're going to be back to back to back as well, so it's um, you know, it's not going to be like the the sort of the the more longer sort of cycle. It's going to be shorter cycles as well, so that's going to be interesting as well. How that's going to all play out, and I've got to say because uh, I've got to call it out right now, obviously with the Brisbane teams or Queensland teams at the moment not featuring in the top eight, I think a lot of New South Welshmen are probably thinking, ah. Uh, you know we're gonna have the yeah you know, we're gonna have the wood over them this year, but that's the time to be completely aware of Queensland. It, I feel like it's one of these seasons where um, we might be overlooking. You know when those teams sort of combine their players, how good of a, a roster Queensland is actually gonna have this season. And um, yeah, let's just hope that New South Wales prepares properly for this because um, I think it's also got the uh, ingredients for the you know, the infamous Queensland comebacks and things like that. So, uh, But look, I'm excited. Let's see how the ratings go. It's, uh, you know, I think um, because of COVID, there's been other sporting events that have sort of been um, sort of put aside a little bit, I think. And, uh, you know, there's like the Melbourne Cup is going to be sort of around that time as well. I think Bathurst is also around that time as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. But, um, you know, State of Origin is the highest rated show, um, sporting show in Australia every single year, and um, I think it's going to continue to do that. But let's let's just see how big it can actually get at the end of the season.
0: All right, final tackle. Uh, we are going into the round nineteen tips. So Tish, uh, well, let's let's launch right into it. Rabbitos versus Bulldogs. Um, I'm tipping the Rabbitos.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm tipping uh the Rabbitohs too. All right, uh, Cowboys versus Panthers. Uh, uh I think it's a, an extended training run for the Panthers, so the Panthers come on. <laughs> All
0: right, Eels versus Broncos.
1: <laughs> okay, um, well, um, I think Brisbane will have a good game and only lose by 40, so I'm tipping the uh, Eels,
0: <laughs> me too. Uh, Interesting. Sea Eagles versus Titans. I'm going to tip a bit of an upset. I'm going to tip the Titans.
1: Yeah, battle for Tier 2. I'm going to tip the Sea Eagles.
0: Whoever versus... wins this
1: game is probably going to be uh, number 9, right? So,
0: big stakes. Uh, yeah, going into the next round. Absolutely, going into the final round. So, yeah, actually, this is a really key key game. Storm versus Tigers. Uh, interesting one. I wonder if the Tigers can pull an upset here. I'm tipping the Tigers. Well... Uh...
1: Likewise, um, I actually really like the comment that uh, Harry Grant made this week when they asked him, well, do you think Cam Smith will retire this season? And he he said, well, because he thinks he'll probably retire before Cam Smith does. So I'm going to tip the Tigers as well.
0: All right, Roosters versus Sharks, Battle of the Eastern Sydney Beaches, Bondi versus Cronulla, and I'm tipping the Roosters.
1: I am going to tip an upset a little bit here. I'm going to tip the Sharks because uh, I think that could worry
0: the, the, the roosters a little bit. Raiders versus warriors I'm tipping the Raiders.
1: Uh, I'm going tip yeah I'm going tip the Raiders for this one as well.
0: And finally Newcastle versus the dragons and I'm tipping the dragons in a bit of an upset.
1: Yeah, look, I am gonna I am gonna go with Newcastle. They had a couple of players out, which is I think why they got they they lost pretty bad last week. So, um, look to them to try and start their run into the finals.
0: All right. Well, that wraps up our podcast. And uh, Tish, thank you very much for um, an interesting return to form this week. Uh, for those of you out there who want to catch up with us. Check us out on uh, via email. You can contact us on republic at gmail.com. Check us out on our website, com, And uh, obviously we're on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. So please, uh, what is it, follow us, friend us, whatever. And uh, check us out obviously on iTunes. You can see our podcast there as well as on our website. So, Tish, thank you very much for an interesting episode. Uh, we look forward to the last couple of games of the regular season. And over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, for another amazing episode. And I'd like
1: to thank everybody out there for listening to this edition. Uh, But, look, that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.